The Premier League, England's top flight, though some teams are flying a lot higher than others. This week, I'll go over all the 10 games, make fun of players, make fun of teams, make fun of their formations. I'll go over the Premier League fantasy, and at the end, reveal my fantasy busts team of the week, with players representing seven different teams. The first game this week, uh, Liverpool 4, Brentford 1. Who's surprised at this? Nothing here is surprising. Ivan Tony scored. He's going to do that. Nunez, McAllister, Salah, Gakpo. I'm just surprised Diaz didn't get anything. Both teams had exactly 15 shots. Liverpool had more possession, more passes, pass accuracy, and 18 fouls. But one yellow card. They did have six corners to Brentford's one. If we look back at the weeks prior, Liverpool won 3 1 against Burnley, Brentford 2 0 against Wolves. So, this is the second time Liverpool managed to give up one goal instead of getting a shutout. They had it too, they had a 3 0 until the 75th minute. If we look at the uh, the fouls, not really much, just the ratio to fouls, yellow cards. It's a lot different for Brentford, who had four fouls and two yellow cards, to Liverpool's 18-1. Uh, Nunez gets the first goal, which, yes, he started at striker with Jata on the right, Diaz on the left. Uh, in the central midfield, Endo, Jones on the right, McAllister on the left, Bradley at right back, Kanate center back with Virgil van Dijk, Robertson at left back, and Kelleher still replacing Allison. I'm really surprised Salah didn't start, Gakpo didn't start, Elliot didn't start, Gomez didn't start. Is it's either I don't know what Klopp's doing. Klopp might just say Brentford's not the best team and you can spare your best players. Most of them are still gonna score though. That's how it works. Uh as for Brentford's lineup, no big names other than Ivan Tony playing striker with Malpay. I don't know how to pronounce that, sorry. And then a goalie is Flecken, Ben Mee, Ayer, Collins at defense, Jensen, Norgard, Janelt, Regulion, and Ro- Roerslev all in the midfield. It's a lot of, a lot of names. As for the subs, Wissa going in, Godos. Anieka, Lewis Potter, Damsgaard. I love those Scandinavian names. They're awesome. The commentary. Commentary is awesome for this game. Woodwork in all caps. What a save in all caps. With an exclamation mark. Brentford and Tony should have a second. Tony meets Damsgaard's delivery with a glancing header at the near post, but Kelleher reacts with a great one-handed save, pushing it away for Liverpool backline completes the clearance. Not much. 
after Gakpo's goal in the 86th minute, that isn't saying a lot, considering it was in the 86th, yes, 86th minute, wasn't too much stoppage time, got to 6, which seems like quite a bit until you look at some of the other games this week. Speaking of other games this week, uh, the next one we have was Burnley and Arsenal. This one was a blowout. Odegaard scoring in the 4th minute, Saka in the 41st, 47th, Trossard in 66th, and then Havertz in the 78th. What did surprise me? Burnley got 0 shots on target. How? I don't know. But that, um, that brings in two games. They are 1 and 8 now on goals, which is not as bad as some teams are about to get to. But with Arsenal blowing out West Ham last week, that is plus 11 goal differential in two games. Not many teams in history can say that. Less yellow cards too, less offsides, more corners, better passing accuracy, more passes, more possession, more shots on target, more shots. I'm honestly surprised they're not first place in the table yet. Uh, if we look at the lineups for Arsenal, David Raya is starting in goal. I was surprised that Ramsdale was not in, but maybe it's just one of those things where they uh, they trust. Just trust that Burnley is not the best team. White at right back, Saliba and Gabriel at center. Kiwi Yor at left back, Havertz, Rice, and Odegaard taking the midfield. Havertz got a goal first in a while. Trossard at striker, Martinelli at left wing, and Bakoyo Saka got two goals, a yellow card, and subbed off, which is quite a bit for one game. Smith Rowe, Inqueta, Soares, Jorginho, and Nelson all being subbed in. I don't remember when they did this, but I swear you used to only get three subs. Don't know when they changed that. For Burnley, sort of like Brentford, not too many big names. Fafana at striker, Ramsey at right mid, Trafford at goalie, Brownell at center mid. Just surprised. Uh, not the worst lineup ever. I'm surprised they managed to lose 5-0. And most of the goals being in the final 50 minutes of the game. Four of the five being most. Usually the team is better at the end of the game. I don't... That's definitely not the case for that. Uh, the next game, Newcastle and Bournemouth. First goal, Solanke. He does that. It's like Tony and I guess Haaland, but Haaland's been inconsistent lately. Solanke and Tony are like a guaranteed one goal a game going. They keep if they keep it up, I think they will beat Haaland in total goals. Goals total goals. They did draw two two at the end, Gordon scoring a penalty after Solanke in the fifty eighth minute. And then Another goal, 69th minute before Matt Ritchie 
in the 92nd minute, which was not close to the end of the game. There were 11 minutes of stoppage time. Uh, Gomez got the assist. They describe it as Bournemouth cannot clear and the ball bounces around before Richie has the decisive touch, thumping it in from close range. They had a dangerous area, loops it around. They'd, uh, I think they described that pretty well. Newcastle did win on shots, though Bournemouth won on shots on target. Possession goes to Newcastle, passes Newcastle, pass accuracy Newcastle. Fouls, 23 for Bournemouth, with three yellow cards. Nine for Newcastle with one yellow card. Lineups for Newcastle. Another team with not the uh, not the the biggest goalie currently playing in goal. I thought they would start Carius, but I probably don't know that much about Newcastle goalkeepers. Shaw and Botman playing in central defense. Trippier playing right back. Burn left back. Just the most insane defense you've ever seen. But then, Gomez at center mid, Longstaff and Miley playing the sides, Almiron at right wing, Gordon at striker, and Barnes at left wing. They're a decent team. I don't think that they're going to succeed in winning the title, though. Like the billionaires promised. Bournemouth, on the other hand, Playing the ugliest formation I've ever seen, the four three two one. I understand it. I don't like it. Looks like a V. But they put Solanke at a striker. That makes sense. Taverner at sort of a left wing, left mid. Cook, Kelly, Neto, Smith. Some names here and there. But from a team that recently came from the EFL championship, that's not much. The benches for the teams for Newcastle, uh, Richie, who scored the final goal in the 92nd minute, got subbed in for, I think it was Almiron at midfield, which... It was Almiron at right wing. I don't know how Bournemouth let that happen. It reminds me of the El Clasico a couple years back. long time ago. Game was tied until Madrid, Real Madrid, subbed one guy in. He scored two goals in like two minutes. As soon as he came in, Richie subbed in for Almiron. The 91st minute, scores in the 92nd. That's um, that's a nice thing to put on your resume. Murphy going in, white. Not too many, not too many substitutions on the Bournemouth side. I guess not for Newcastle either. 
only three for Bournemouth, though, which is a lot less than you usually see. But with their couple of players that they have on the lineup, they don't have too many subs. Next game, game four, Aston Villa and Fulham. Aston Villa with Ollie Watkins, of course, he's another guy. Gold game, guaranteed. Except he is maybe the most inconsistent guy we have ever seen. Two goals, one game. Two fantasy points the game before. The game before that scores a goal. The game before that, two fantasy points. For the for you fantasy owners of fantasy teams, I don't recommend putting him in your lineup. Because it's not just the good teams that he doesn't score against. He just is, I feel like it's completely random. Get someone else, get Solanke, get Tony. They cost less, I think, maybe not Tony. I think. As for the uh, stats, the possession was really even, 53% to 47%. The passes were two, 450 to 425. Fulham having the 450 and the 53% possession. Bass accuracy, uh, 85% for Fulham. 84% for Aston Villa. Fowles was not as even as uh, Fulham getting 11 and 6 for Aston Villa. Yellow cards, though. Five of the 11 Fulham fouls resulted in yellow cards. Only two for six on the Aston Villa side. Corners, both had four. Shots, Fulham with 16 and Aston Villa with 12. Shots on target was decently even with uh, four for Fulham and three for Aston Villa. Two of them, at least, being for Watkins. Uh, Leno did throw. Did not come in clutch. Did not carry. Absolutely through. Three shots on target. Two of them ended in goals. Both from Watkins. You'd think they'd learn. He's going to shoot. He's going to score. He's a good player. They didn't. Watkins starts with Telemans at fellow striker. He came from Leicester. I think as a midfielder, they are playing him at striker now. And the midfield, Ramsey, Louise, McGinn, Bailey, Moreno, Torres, uh, Linglet, and Cash on the defense. Then Martinez, the Argentine goalie of the World Cup, in their goal on the Fulham side. Polina, Kearney, midfield, Leno in goal. There's a couple more recognizable names in the defense. Robinson, Reem, Diop, Castange, Piera, Cordova, Reed, and Willan at around the cam central attacking mid area. And Muniz playing solo striker. Uh Thingye, Diaby, and then Irowigabunam. Irowigabunam. Iro, Iro Igabunam, the three subs. Uh, 
Oh, another three. I didn't notice that. Bassey, Wilson, Traore, Iwobi, Lukic for Fulham. Three of their subs somehow managing to get yellow cards. In the center mid area, Polina got a yellow card. And I'm pretty sure his substitute got also a yellow card. Yes. Polina uh, got his in the 96th minute. Got subbed out in the... Eight, uh, sorry, not 96. Polina got his yellow card in the 86th minute. Got subbed out in the 89th. And then his substitute... Got a yellow card in the 90th minute. Says just a few minutes after coming on the bench, Lukic is awarded the yellow for a strong challenge on Louise. While Polina got his for an aggressive late challenge on McGinn. Other than that, though, not too much. Another six for stoppage time. Quite a bit actually happening in stoppage time. Substitution, a yellow card, a yellow card. Aston Villas, Melia, Martinez, and Clement Ling that celebrate after the match. They do that. But other than that, just your standard game. I'm not I'm not too really the making fun of teams until we get to West Ham. That'll be something. Next match, speaking of West Ham, here they are. Losing to Nottingham Forest 2-0. And getting a yellow card, red card, four yellow cards and a red card. This game, quite a bit of yellow cards, eight yellow cards and straight red, 15 fouls for West Ham and 13 for Nottingham. Both had 82% pass accuracy, 430 passes for West Ham, 406 for Nottingham. The possession was... Even more even, actually. 48%, 52%, West Ham having the higher. Uh, shots. Nottingham definitely beat West Ham. 19-10, 8-3 on shots on target. 5-2 on corners. 1-1 one, one off sides. You look at the timeline. Nottingham Forest celebrates after the match. Uh, 7 minutes of extra time. The lineup side, there were a, there were four yellow cards on each side. Phillips got a yellow card twice. Neither of those counted. Those counts as a that they counted that as a red. Ariola, starting for West Ham, in goalie the the goalie position. Ward Prowse Bowen. Kudus in midfield. Phillips, Alvarez also in midfield. Antonio at striker. Zuma, Kufal, Agured, and Emerson at defense. This is a good team. And yet, in three games, they are zero goals scored. 11 goals against, losing 2-0 to Newcastle, Nottingham, losing 2-0 to Nottingham, 
6-0 to Arsenal, and 3-0 to Man U. Yet, they have somehow maintained ninth in the table. They did move down this week. They were 8th before this week. They are the only team in the top half of the standings, other than Chelsea, who's in 10th, with a uh, negative goal differential. Man United in 6th is close with 1. And this is a big drop between the top five teams and everyone else. Not too many horrible goal differentials at the bottom of the standings, where if we go up top 50, uh, 35 goal differential for Liverpool, 36 for Arsenal, 31 for Man City, 19-14 for Aston Villa Tottenham. And then we go straight down to 1-8-12, negative 8, that's West Ham. They had a positive differential before a couple weeks ago. And now one more and two more losses. And now and then they have a losing record. Uh, the, the two goals for Nottingham Forest. Both somehow scored fourth minute stoppage time and fifth minute of stoppage time one before halftime one for the end of the game that is surprising though you don't see too many goals uh during stoppage time before halftime so that's that's interesting i was thinking that uh no one should call them west ham anymore they are now Southam. They are only going down on the table. There is no going up. No saving this. They are done. I don't know why they're trying. Never mind. They're not trying. Their fans left at halftime during a home game. Around halftime. Most of the fans against Arsenal were gone for the end of the game. That's not good during a home. A home game that has only happened before in Qatar, as far as I know. Or they lost 3-0 to Ecuador in the opening round of the World Cup. The next match was really surprising. Tottenham losing 1-2 to Wolves. Though beating them on shots, Wolves... Tottenham having 15 shots, Wolves 12. Wolves did get more shots on target, 7 to Tottenham's 4. What surprised me, though, is how Wolves managed to win, get two goals, with 28% possession. Tottenham even had 10 corners, and they managed to get one goal out of it. And they didn't even score from one of those corners. Their goal was uh, from halftime. After halftime, it took them about 40 seconds to score. That's why it says 46th minute. In the 42nd minute, 63rd minute for Yao Gomez, 
Not even playing striker for Wolves. This Tottenham team is a great team. It's an amazing lineup. This is why they're in fifth. Without Kane, though, they put Rick Carlson at single striker. That just doesn't work for them. Madison playing sort of center forward, attacking mid. Kuliskevsky and Son on the wings. Basuma, Saar, sort of CDMs. Davies and Emerson on left back and right back. Romero and Van de Van at center. And Vicario after the loss, the tragic loss of Hugo Lloris as he retired to the MLS. I don't know why they do that. Like, take Neuer, for example. He's old. He's been on Bayern for quite a long time, actually. Timo Werner actually getting subbed in now. I think he did start last game. I I did not know Werner, Werner was on the Hospers until last week. Actually, I was looking at the lineup. Uh, Hoysberg, Lo Celso, Johnson, and Bentecourt also being subbed in for Tottenham. Darty, Traore, and Bellegarde being subbed in for Wolves. Do not get confused on Traore, though. Traore. There are so many Traores in the Premier League. Quite a bit of them actually being subbed in, too, in the last game. Adama Traore was one of the subs. Jose Sa. Um... Famous for not having a defense and being all-time number one. I don't know if all-time, but way up there on saves. Not because he's an amazing keeper, he isn't bad, but because Gomez, Dawson, and Kilman aren't the uh, dream team for defense, as you'd imagine. Uh, the rest of the Wolves lineup... Neto, Sarabia, Huang, Semedo, uh, Lamina, Gomez, the guy who got two goals, and the only guy in the match to get a yellow card as well. Uh, overall, I think it was a decent game. Not. Tottenham had the ball. Like, the entire time. But Gomez carried, came in clutch. All the goals were in a not long span of time. Within within 20 minutes, actually, 17 minutes. Though halftime was in between there. That's enough for that game. The next game of the week. Manchester City. And Chelsea. 31 shots for Manchester City. Tied 1-1 with Rodri in the 83rd minute coming in clutch. Raheem Sterling scored, as he does. Man City, 71% possession. 711 passes with 90% pass accuracy. 12 corners 
no no red cards, no offsides, less fouls. The surprising thing about the shots predicament is 31 shots, 5 were on target. To Chelsea's 9 shots, 6 were on target. Even though Man City's goal differential really is something like a good a good 30 above Chelsea's and under 30 games how did it speak it'd say something wrong earlier Chelsea does not have a negative goal differential meaning West Ham is the only team in the top 10 of the standings without one a win in the last five six maybe even seven games without a positive goal differential. Uh, And they're the only team who's allowed more than 41 goals. Being very specific, because Chelsea's 41. The Man City lineup is insane. Ederson at goal. Akanji Diaz, center back. Ake Walker at your, uh, your left back, right back. Rodri, pretty much taking the only midfield position as Alvarez, De Bruyne, Doku, and Foden play more up. Rodri did get the goal though. Holland at striker, disappointed in Holland really. He could not score once. On the Chelsea side. Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling at wings. They are playing this V formation that I mentioned earlier, the 4-2-3-1. They're putting Jackson at striker. I don't think I agree with that. Gallagher, right, uh, right below him. Sterling Palmer on the sides. Hernandez, Chilwell, Colwell on the Rounding up the left side. Uh, Disasi, Gusto, and Caicedo on the right side. Finishing that. As for subs. Uh, Kasadai, Nkuku, and Chalaba getting subbed in Chelsea side. Only one substitution for Man City being Bernardo Silva, who went in for Alvarez. Also the only Man City player who got a yellow card in the 85th minute. Which is really... They could have went a game without any yellow cards. He had to get one in the 85th minute. Right after the goal, too. Four minutes of stoppage time. Six minutes of stoppage time. Six. And really, Chelsea, nice job. Man City, no. Chelsea being, I think, one of the most forgettable teams in the league. One, because they're not good enough for people to recognize them as being like one of the good teams. 
they don't really have any, um, they don't have too much for people to recognize them by. And then on the other side, the, they're not bad enough for people to think of them as a bad team. Like, everyone knows Sheffield or Nottingham or anyone else near the bottom of the table as being a bad team. But Chelsea is just so in the middle. They're so meh. They're the definition of meh that you just forget they're there. After that, though, Brighton and Sheffield United. What is this? 5-0 with the 13-minute red card on Sheffield side. So many goals close together for Brighton. Got two in the 20-30. They got one in the 20th, one 24th. And then 75th, 78th, 85th. Sort of a huge pause in the middle. 24 shots, 10 on target for Brighton. Maybe the most shots on target we've seen from a team this week. On the other side of that, Sheffield getting six shots, one on target. Pass accuracy for 60, 68% accuracy for Sheffield. Well, Brighton's at 90, chilling with 94 with 871 passes. 80% possession. They did have more fouls, though, and more yellow cards, having four other five fouls resulting in yellows, where only... One of Sheffield's three. Sheffield did get a red card, though. A red card not coming from an uh, a two yellows, but a straight red. And both teams, actually. Both teams using all of their substitutions. I see why, I see why both teams would in a blowout. Trusty, Brewster, Norwood, Tom Davies. Not not Alfonso Davies, Tom Davies and Brooks going in for Sheffield. No not the most recognizable names. Robinson, not the American guy, not Robertson. The guy who scored the own goal. Fodderingham at goal. There's Osborne, Harmer, Bogle, Holgate, McCatty. Probably the most recognizable guy on Sheffield. They just came from the EFL Championship, and I am 99% sure they are going straight back. 25 games played, 13 points on the table. They might, they are getting fired. The The manager is gone. But honestly, what'd they, what'd they expect? Not too many recognizable names. Recognizable names, but not huge for Brighton. Just your just your team of Welbeck, Mitoma, Pascal Gross. Is it Gross? I think it is. Webster, Dunk, Verbruggen, some of the names there. But then Adingra getting a goal. Buon, Anote, Welbeck. And then, of course, the young goal from Robinson. Ansu Fati, Estu, Estupinian, Ferguson, Motor, 
Julia, a lot of recognizable names. A lot of decently big names are coming in from the bench. So, definitely one of those times where they knew they could definitely be Sheffield. Who who can, really? Sheffield has gone quite a while without a win. Just kidding, they won against Luton last week. But that's not a good thing, really. That means that they had 10 points after 23 matches. The game before that, they lost 5-0 to Aston Villa. 3-2 to Palace. They lost... They didn't lose this game. They tied uh, 2-2 with West Ham. Another reason why West Ham is not... Not on the upside. I'm just assuming they're losing at this point. They're not alone at the bottom of the standings. Burnley also having 13 points. Next being Luton at 20. It's a pretty close race up top. Within four points, the top three. Top five within 10. I guess not too close for the top five. But then... The race for relegation, race to get out of relegation, Burn and Burnley and Sheffield, seven points behind Luton, Everton, who is four points behind Nottingham. So I cannot wait to see how that turns out. Out of the standings, into the next match, Luton Town, Man United, Another reason why Luton is just a town, not a city. They're not the best. Coming up with Sheffield from the championship. A crazy amount of shots. 43 shots throughout the game. 13 on target. 21 fouls for Manchester United. And 8 overall cards. Five for Man United and Luton getting three. Both had a decent amount of corners. Luton having eight, Man United with six. Luton needs a win soon. In the last five games of the bottom, we'll go Bournemouth down. One, two, three, four, five, six. That's nine teams. Eight teams. That is eight teams. And of those eight teams in their last five games, there has been five wins. Six. There's been six wins. So eight teams. That is 40 games. And they could even be playing each other. Two of those wins coming from Brentford. Not a big tire, I guess, but... Manchester United also not into tying much. That's weird. You'd think if they're close to the top of the table and have a one differential, you'd think they tie quite a bit. No, only actually two ties. Um, Rasmus Hoyland playing single striker for Manchester United, getting two goals within seven minutes, one in the first minute, and then Morris 
answering for Luton in the 14th, playing sort of a central attacking mid on the right side for Luton. Onana playing goal for Manchester United, of course, after something happened to De Gea. Uh, Christian Eriksen actually has not started in a while. I'm just noticing that now. Scott McTominay, Evans, Embra, Lindof coming in on the subs. Oh, Rashford, Hernandez, Garnacho, Casemiro, Harry Maguire, Varane, Shaw, Dalat, Onana, Mainu. An insane lineup, actually, for Manchester United. They don't have Ronaldo anymore. I honestly think Ronaldo made them worse. Some would argue differently. A lot would actually argue differently. Luton, though. Tell me if you recognize these names. Usho, Bell, Mengi, Ogbin, Morris, Sambi, Lakonga, Barkley, Chong, Dowdy, and then Woodrow up top. It is cool how they... They uh, sort of point out how Luton's been so close to winning. It says nine of Luton's 14 defeats in the Premier League this season have been by a one-goal margin, with no side losing more games by a single goal than them in the competition this term. Nottingham Forest also has nine, so well, there's that. also says Manchester City and Arsenal have won... Only Manchester City and Arsenal have won more Premier League away games than Manchester United. Man City, Arsenal having eight, Man United having seven. They've, the Red Devils have won all three. They've played on the road in the competition in 2024, only losing the other ones in 2023. Manchester United have also won each of their last 12 Premier League games against uh, promoted sides scoring 25 goals and only conceding 6. Only once previously have the Red Devils had a longer run of consecutive wins against promoted teams in the competition. Under Alex Ferguson, between 2006-2009. What it means by promoted teams is just promoted last season. Fulham, that area, would not be counted as a promoted team because they are now part of the Premier League. While Norwich left the Premier League and is gone forever, I'm honestly surprised they're not in the EFL League One. And if they are, that just shows how much I don't pay attention. Sheffield, Brighton, and then Luton Man United were the two games taking place yesterday. That would be Saturday. That would be Sunday. Today, Monday, there was only one game, Everton and Crystal Palace. They they ended up drawing 1-1, the equalizer coming in the 84th minute. Not too much um, excitement, I guess. Not too many shots on target for each team. Not too many passes, actually. Uh, Everton having more with 524. And then for the offsides, corners, 3-6, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 1-2, 
nothing too big, nothing that you, nothing would, that would catch your eye. Crystal Palace surprised Everton's not doing too good because they don't have a bad team. They have Pickford and Gwul, Tarkowski and Branthwaite in center back. Mike Michaelenko and Godfrey, the left and right backs. Young, Guillet, Garner, McNeil in midfield. Ducaure and Calvert-Lewin in, uh, playing center forward and striker. Everton actually 20th in the standings, which from that squad you would not guess that. Sorry, 17th in the standings with 20 points. That's what I looked at. It's crazy how long Everton's been avoiding relegation. For multiple years now, they've placed, I think, either 16th or 17th and just managed to barely stay out of relegation. This might be the first season that they stay out of relegation for most of the season. On the Crystal Palace side, not as not as much in the lineups as you do have you have Mitchell, Anderson, Ward, Richards, Johnstone, IU, which is actually quite a bit. Ozo and Ahamada coming in on the bench while Onana Harrison Beto coming in for Everton on the other side. It's neither striker got substituted out or yellow card while yellow there's a yellow card for Ayu Lerma Wharton and Eduard on Crystal Palace the well, four people I guess adjacent to the Palace striker and then I guess the one adjacent to Calvert-Lewin got substituted out so sort of that doesn't mean anything. I just... Back to the uh, stats you might not have noticed. Also don't care about. That's it for the games. That only leaves one more thing. The fantasy busts team of the week. Who did bad? Who did absolutely garbage? And deserves a shout out. In goal, we have Leno. I'm just going to mention right now, these aren't players that statistically did bad in fantasy. These are players I say did bad and their fantasy owners should be ashamed. In goal, Leno from Fulham. Really, I only gave this to him because he somehow managed to throw away a great lead at the, not, not great, but by one somehow it was not a lead actually Leno did manage to like I mentioned earlier let in two of the three shots on target both to Watkins no other goalie really did through uh, that much so in other circumstances, maybe Leno would have gotten away from it. No, 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 no. At right defender, we have 
Smith. Uh, there are actually a couple Smiths in the Premier League. I should probably specify which one. So, actually, we'll go to the center backs first. Robinson and Holgate. You might notice these guys from the same team, actually. They are both from Sheffield. I gave this to them because Holgate managed to screw his team over with a 13-minute red card. And Robinson, and, uh, Robinson scored an own goal while being scored on five times. So that's not the best in terms of fantasy. I don't know why you would start them in the first place. But, well, I don't know why anyone would start them in the first place. So sorry to Sheffield fans. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave Sheffield for now. Left back, Ben Davies. Some people might not agree with this one. I couldn't find anyone else at left back to put. And I chose Davies because of the the perfect the perfect chance Kuliskevsky brought to him at the 94th minute of the game and he misses the header and I'd like to think that they would have well they would have drew if he scored there's not much time to do anything else after that Back to the right back, Smith. How many Smiths are there in the uh, Premier League? This one is uh, Adam, Adam Smith specifically. And I chose Adam Smith on Bournemouth. He does play for Bournemouth. Because, not because he did something bad but because he just didn't do something. He might have done something I'm not noticing, but really all he did was a foul in the closing, penalty foul for the closing minutes of the game. I don't know what I mean by closing minutes, but... uh. Though there, there's your fantasy busts defense. Leno in goal, Davies at left back, Robinson Holgate at center backs, and the Smith at right back. To your midfield, the midfield I am really excited to talk about. Our first midfielder for Fulham. You probably uh, can guess this. Palinia. With the yellow card. And the final stages of the game. I mostly chose Polina. Because. Uh, because looking at the timeline. It's one of those things. He just didn't do really anything good. And it's. <laughs> Lukic sort of gave him a little bit 
because the guy substituted in for him, got a yellow card the next minute. They're sort of a combo package deal. Next in midfield, Phillips for West Ham. West Ham United. South Ham, actually. They are now South Ham. I gave this to him. 71st minute red card. Because not just this game, but his overall stats. It's just disgraces to fantasy teams. He is the definition of a disgrace to fantasy team. Technically plays for Man City, but is now, I think, on a loan to West Ham. His overall, uh, this season actually, he's played four times, two as a sub. He started and got a red card, so that's not going to get him in much. His overall Premier League stats, though, all-time, 69 appearances, 4 goal contributions, 1 being a goal and 3 assists. Somehow also has uh, a winning record. That's because he played for Man City. That's also why he doesn't have many goals. But he didn't add much. He didn't contribute much to his record with this double yellow card. Finally, to round out the midfield, Kevin De Bruyne. Again, one of the most owned players in Fantasy Premier League. Really, what De Bruyne did, Man City in general, was get a double game week. So, Haaland was popular then. De Bruyne was popular then. Everyone on Man City was popular then. And De Bruyne got two fantasy points for playing. Simply because he didn't get subbed out. Only one who did was Alvarez. And De Bruyne, I'm going to be honest, I trusted him. I captained him. I put him at captain, and he got me two points. He's, they still do have another match technically this week. It's a makeup of game week 18 against Brentford. But they do have another match. Which is why a lot of people put Man City players in their lineup. That will do it for our midfield. So, uh... So far, Leno at goal, Robinson, Holgate, center backs, left back, Davies, right back, Smith, De Bruyne, Polina, and Phillips are midfielders. Let's start with left wing. You probably won't agree with me on this. I I love Tottenham, one of my favorite teams, but I gave this one to Sun. I can never tell. Did Werner start or did Sun start? Because I'm, I've am i been getting different answers from different sources. Well, actually... 
they do sort of... They... They rotate, I guess. Last game, Werner started, and now Sun is back. Werner started against Brighton when they won 2-1, to one, and they lose 2-1 to one with Sun in. I gave this one to Sun because of the chance he had. His... He did have a chance, and it's just the fact that one of the most expensive midfielders, everyone trusted him. And he does nothing. Kuliskevsky. Who is sort of consistent. But in a low-key sort of way. Just not as... Not as much, though. One thing I did hit. I will talk about this match for like two. Um, another minute. Just one thing, though. Who chose? Who chose for Wolves to wear red jerseys? Who chose this? I don't agree. Tottenham losing to Wolves, who had only 300 passes and 28% possession. But, well, that's my left wing. The right wing, I chose Diaz. Normally, this would not be what I chose but he was one of the most transferred in players of last week and didn't do too much to contribute to the team everyone contributed to the team except for him pretty much and then a striker you know him. You love him. You hate him. Sometimes he was injured for a long time. Erling Haaland, again like De Bruyne, just didn't do much. Only two points. 